Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, Chief Monkey of Wall Street Oasis, and this is Monkey to Millions, a show where you get a front row seat as I mentor young students and professionals to try and help them break into their dream jobs. In the first cohort, you'll meet four students, all preparing for intense job interviews while trying to also balance a personal life and schoolwork. The goal of this show is to shine a light on the struggles of trying to break into competitive positions with a non-traditional background and to give you a roadmap for your own success. My hope is that as you get to know these four impressive students, you're inspired to dream big. Remember, these are real people and this is their true story. Let's get to it. John's revised resume is working well. He's getting more traction with his networking, which includes second round interviews at two well-respected investment banks, as well as one boutique in Newport Beach. In this session, I conduct a mock interview with John and give him advice on how to improve his technical interview prep, as well as how to come across as more polished on the behavioral portion of the interview. But first, listen to John himself over the previous few weeks leading up to this session. Update on my end. Um, still networking. Um, I I couldn't tell you an exact measure, but let's just say like I've been hitting like a target rate of like five to ten percent of the people and the responses that I've been getting. Um, I kicked off two interview processes in the past week. Uh, one with a middle market healthcare um, bank in San Francisco, and then one with a boutique fintech bank in San Francisco. Um, other than that, still networking, trying to keep up with school week seven. I got two midterms this week, so we'll see where it goes. Just to start off, uh, just to start off, it'd be great if you could just give me a review of like what you have coming up. Cause I know it's Monday now it's the 18th. Yeah. Tell me what's going mm-hmm. on. So I had a first round with, um, FP partners last week. And, you know, that went well. And I got an email saying they want to have a second round uh, interview um, this week. I haven't heard back from them yet to, to schedule it. Um, yeah. But I know that's coming up. And then after that, if that goes well, there'll, there'll be a super day. Um, I also heard back from Wedbush, uh, their healthcare group in San Francisco. And um, turn in a, a sample, like a little case study, and talk to you know, their operations administrator uh, in the office. And that went well, too. I think it was just kind of like a cultural fit check. Uh, and she said she'd get back to me with the instructions about speaking to an associate or MD. And I'm sure that will be more technical. So I'll have more about, like, the market. And then I also have um, an interview in person, actually, with a boutique in Newport Beach uh, this Friday. Nice. So it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely been ramping up. Um, and I'm still applying to, you know, basically all over just shooting my shot anywhere. 
Good, man. Good. Okay, so um, how'd you get that one in Newport? Um, just networking. Yeah, I reached out to somebody who was there. It's a really small uh, boutique, like six guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we connected. We connected well over the phone. Um, we had similar backgrounds and similar interests. Um, and then, you know, I got a call a week later, just out of nowhere from him as well as the MD and they're both on the phone asking me if I can come in next week, which is this Friday. Shit, um, and gotta, they know we got to get going on yeah. your, on your mock then. Okay. So we'll do, yeah. let's do a mock interview. Um, let's pretend when's the, when's the FT one. I, I assume this week, I'm not sure when I, I think I'll hear from them either later today or early tomorrow. And you think that's still going to be another phone one? And then yeah. it's going to be another phone one. And then after that, there'll be a super day. God, do you know when that that's coming up? Or they didn't say yet? The super day or the phone? The super day. No, they didn't say when. I think they're okay. just kind of taking super days on a rolling basis right now. Just flying kids up. Okay. So have you been, when you've been practicing, have you been practicing more like just the gene- general IB, YIB kind of thing? That type of stuff? Um, yeah, I kind of stumbled in, that portion in, the, in the first round, um, but I kind of got through it. Kind of how I go about that one is, you know, I talk about well, my, you don't, have to, you don't have to talk about it. We'll just go do it and then I can okay. give you feedback, but let's, let's start, uh, let's assume it's just a general IB interview, you know, so that you're kind of, we can keep it more high level this time. Cause it's not for a specific firm that you like, you're trying to prep for, okay. um, but just know that, like, I would ask you, like, why FT or why Woodbush? Yeah. And you want to have specific answers. And ideally, you can link it back to somebody you spoke with there. Okay. Yeah, I definitely, when I was talking to the guy about it, um, I actually went to one of the cocktail, like, open houses in the summer. And I hey, talked to him. Do you have some other stuff open on your computer? It's a little choppy. I don't know if it's the my connection or a different place you're at. Uh, that's probably the different place I'm at. I'm sorry. That's I okay. got kicked out of a couple study rooms <laughs> no worries no worries. I, was trying to, I was trying to snag one and then yeah here i am outside no worries yeah it's 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 working good enough so we can keep it going but okay so let's let's just jump straight into a mock and then uh you know 15 20 minutes see how it goes and then i'll just uh take some notes and give you feedback after i think that'll okay, probably sweet. be the most valuable so all right just to start off um John, thanks so much for coming to meet with us today. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time. Likewise. Thanks Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be here. So real quick, let's just, if you could just quickly um, walk me through your resume, give me a little spiel about like who you are, where you came from, that'd be great. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm originally from Riverside, California. Uh, I'm a current senior at UCI studying quantitative economics and minoring in accounting. Um, my first tad bit experience with finance uh, was at Disney. Um, that role was more so FP&A and reporting. Um, and I didn't have an interest in investment making until shortly after that. At Disney, my experience became kind of stagnant, uh, uh, even when I did ask more work and something a little more transactional. Um, so as I was looking for roles um, my junior year, I kind of missed out on summer analyst opportunities because I didn't find, about, find out about investment making till the middle of my junior year. Um, and that, But I was, you know, fortunate enough to, to snag a spot at Harvey and Company, which is a buy-side advisory firm, which, you know, enabled me to get my feet wet in M&A and, you know, learn the process of the buy-side process specifically, but also about how private equity groups think. 
And, you know, after, after that experience, I, short, I, I realized I needed more experience uh, on the sell side. So that's when I started looking for more internship experiences and I was able to land a role at B. Riley. Now at B. Riley, I'm doing a lot of modeling work as well as working on sims and a lot of ad hoc processes that um, the analyst needs me on a day-to-day basis. All right, why don't you walk me through one of the deals you've been working on at B. Riley? Okay. So uh, we actually just closed a deal um, this past Wednesday, which was super exciting. It was, my, it was the first time I've seen a, a deal close. Um, it was a contract battery manufacturing um, here in Southern California. Um, the revenues were 10 million and their EBITDA was about 2 million. And one of the private equity groups that approached us was looking for a really small platform in the space. Um, it was their first fund. Um, so that's why they're looking for something a little bit smaller. And um, it was going for 10 times. So we were able to get an EV of 20 million. And so you were running the sell side process for this battery manufacturer? Yes. And tell me like um, what specific role you played on that. So like what were you responsible for mm-hmm. in, that pro- in that transaction? Mm-hmm. So my specific role in part of the transaction was, you know, assisting the analysts and the associates with preparing the SIM as well as helping um, them prepare parts of the disclosure schedule and as well as part of the uh, model as well. A lot of my work on the modeling had to do with spreading the financial statements. And then when we put together the disclosure statement, it was cleaning up a lot of data, uh, data dumps from AR aging schedules that, you know, the uh, client gave us. So the financial statements, what specifically were you doing in there? Um, I was taking past balance sheets and past income statements, spreading it across the uh, monthly time periods that they gave us and then rolled it up into uh, yearly, yearly timeframes. So you're just like entering in, you're just getting it all into Excel because it was all what, PDF or something? Yeah, it was, I mean, they gave us into Excel formats. So I, I took all the, the past income and balance sheets, cleaned it up, um, put it into one master sheet and then rolled it up using an index match match formula. Okay. And do you feel like we're, do you feel like you still need more reps on the financial modeling side or do you feel like you're ready to go f- to hit the ground running or because you had a um, normal internship over the summer, do you feel like? You know, you're you've been you're ready for that type of work, like doing actual three yeah. state financial modeling and sell side M and A modeling. Um, you know, I, I feel like I can always improve on my modeling skills, and I feel like I have improved uh, significantly with my internship at B Riley. Uh, I'm also taking the Wall Street prep course right now to gear up when I do start the full time analyst role. Got it. Okay, and then tell me a little bit about um, why investment banking interests you. Yeah. So. Um, it kind of went back to my experience at Disney. Uh, like I said, the role became a little bit stagnant and you know, kind of slow at times. And coming from a competitive background and always on the move, uh, I was looking for something more fast-paced and, and competitive. And um, after my time at Harvey, I realized that this is the work I wanted to do and, and kind of full pledge into that. Okay, and then um, you said you, know, you like the fast pace. What's the most hours you've ever worked in a week? Uh, possibly 90 at B. Riley before, uh, before school started, I was working full time at B. Riley and, um, yeah, it was about 90 hours for the week. So that was a good, good experience. How'd you feel about that? It was good. What do you mean? You enjoyed it? it? (laughs) I enjoyed it just because, you know, working those many hours, uh, as I did, I definitely learned a lot and being around the people I was, I really enjoyed the time there. So why do you think you didn't find out about investment banking until so late? 
Um, I think partly because of the school system I'm in, um, UCI, uh, specifically the business and, you know, economics programs, they don't push uh, finance as hard as, you know, other data science roles or accounting roles. Um, so I have to do a little bit of digging myself to find out about investment making. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. And do you feel like, you know, we're getting hundreds of applicants for this position? Kind of what do you think really makes you stand out the most? I think it has to be my work ethic. Um, I know a lot of your applicants are probably coming from uh, top tier schools and you guys have a lot of on-campus recruiting um, and coming from, you know, uh, a non-target school, as you probably uh, are aware of, uh, I have to do a lot of networking and grinding out myself to, you know, get into this interview process as well as others. Okay. Um, anything specific though? Like uh, any examples you have? Um, could you... Could you kind of like explain that a little bit more? Ethic besides getting into this interview process, like are there any examples of your work ethic? Um, I guess one good example would be uh, this past winter and spring quarter uh, in 2019. I was working two two internships. My Harvey and Company internship actually started my spring quarter, and I also have uh, a hobby of mine, which is music. And I interned at Power 106, which was in LA. So um, on top of the 16 units, which is a full course load at UCI. Um, I was also working two internships, so I would go from internship in the morning at Harvey from eight to one, class from two to five, and then I would bust, I'd bust my way to LA, uh, which would be a two-hour commute to uh, Power 106, where I would work 6.30 or 7 to 1 a.m., and then, you know, same thing the next day. Okay, great. Thank you for that. So yeah, uh, quick, let's just do a little quick little technical um how would a $10 increase in depreciation expense affect each of the three financial statements? Yeah, so this is the one that always have kind of trouble with. Um, this is the one that gets me. <laughs> uh, so. Well, you can tr uh, just try. Yeah, yeah. So the, the $10 uh, increase in depreciation um, is an expense. So uh, therefore, the net income will drop um ten dollars um but this is this is what i want to ask you is i was actually looking through your guide and you know I'm, I'm reading it right now in front of me it says reduce the income by 10 times one minus the tax rate and i totally kind of didn't understand that part um so this is yeah, this because, is kind of yeah awesome. it's lowering your tax it's lowering your taxable income okay so it's sense. it's well, so what's happening is like $10 taxes, it means you're not $10 higher increase in expense means mm -hmm. you're, you're operating profit by $10. So you're, you're actually gotcha. paying, so there's less to tax. So it's not like you're losing the full $10 down to net income. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. Yeah, it's not as if you're saying I'm lowering your taxes by $10 and so your net income goes up by $10. It's saying you're lowering you're lowering your operating profit by $10. So you're by by default you have less profit so you're paying less taxes. So gotcha. there there are taxes before your operating profit, taxes are in between there and the net income. So, so it goes so it goes like operating profit you're decreasing that by 10. So then so then you're only paying Six. It's really only lowering your. Um, if you assume a forty percent tax rate, it, it means it lowers your net income by six dollars. Dollars. Okay. And so then keep going from there. Okay. So then, 
<laughs> that rolls up into uh, net income, which will be reduced by six dollars. Um, but then we also have to add back depreciation uh, by by ten dollars because of the uh, the increase, um, which would result in then ending cash by uh, increasing about four dollars. Um, and then that cash would flow into the balance sheet, which would increase PPE by $4. Um, no, cash increases by $4. PPE decreases by $10 because of depreciation. Right. Um, and then retained earnings decreases by $6. Right. You got it. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I think just, just practice that a little bit more, but like, let's yeah. keep going. Um, what else we can do here? How would you value a company with no revenue? How would I value? Um, like a startup or whatever. Yeah, um, I'll look at their assets uh, and retain earnings. I didn't. It's fine. It's fine. So like, uh, we'll go over that one, but basically you can talk about constructing a discounted cash flow model for future cash flows and then discounting the back. So it's uh, so DCF for that one. Yeah. You can use a DCF. Um, okay. so you can look at, or, or you could use other operating metrics to value the company based on like, let's say it's a, a website with X number, you know, 20, 50,000 subscribers, but no revenue. You could look at other similar websites that have a value per subscriber and apply that multiple. To what you're gotcha. about. I would assume, yeah, my like first assumption when you said like no revenue, um, I figured they'd have no EBITDA at that point either. So how would you go about, you know, I guess you'd have to make a lot of assumptions to well, future yeah, for, you'd have forecast, yeah, forecast the free cash flows. Okay. Yeah, and then, yeah, just looking at, looking at comparables makes sense. Yeah. Comparable either operating metrics or, um, I mean, you can't look at comparables based on trading. Costs. Yeah earnings right but you could look at comparables looking you could look at comparables especially if it's a startup it's tough but you could, um, based on like operating metrics like website subscribers something like that um yeah. question um tell me where mez sits in the capital structure mezzanine uh, debt it's like in the middle but what's between what typically um I think it goes, uh, I forgot what the first one is, but it goes Mez, then Senior. Um, yeah, I didn't Actually, teach you anything about it. It's okay. It goes, it goes Senior, which, what makes some, what makes a loan Senior secure? What? Okay. That's fine. So typically it's like, um, number one, they get, they get paid first in order to sort of liquidation. So like any sort of bankruptcy. Number two, okay. it typically has collateral backed by it. So like the machinery, the assets of the company. Um, they okay. can they can stake claim to that, so it's the most secured piece of debt. That's why it's senior; it's up at the top, okay. and that that is specifically like um, tip, it typically pays the the lowest yield, so lowest uh, interest rate, because it's the safest. Then before the the opposite end is like uh, uh, on the debt is what's typically called like subordinated debt, which is mm -hmm. it, not always, but typically unsecured, meaning it doesn't have any assets or collateral backing it. Um, like high yield paper or whatever. So you get a higher yield, a higher interest rate for that because it's riskier. Um, does So mezzanine, you can think of it as like in between. Um, you can think of it either um, after subordinated or like a little bit more senior to subordinated. It depends mm -hmm. on the structure. Um, 
oftentimes meds can have like some co-investment equity features where like there's warrants attached to it. Oh, it's less common nowadays. Um, but uh, yeah, they, again, it has lower rights in like the, in the case of a bankruptcy or something like that. So, gotcha. um, and then what's higher on the capital structure, preferred stock or common stock? Can you read the question? Sorry, I didn't hear you. What's, what's higher on the capital structure, the preferred stock or common stock? Um, wouldn't it be preferred stock? Right. Why? Uh, it just is. It just is. Yeah, it just is. <laughs> so, yeah, so like, you know, preferred stock, that's the, it, they typically get a liquidation preference. So let's say there's like yeah. 100, a company that goes bankrupt and it's, okay, it's, or like whatever, there's $100 million left to distribute. And there's $50 million of like debt mm -hmm. and there's like uh, $40 million of like uh, equity value left. Mm -hmm. um, what would get, if there was like 50 million of preferred, all that 40 million that was left or that whatever, whatever was left over with the preferred before the common even gets a penny typically. Sometimes you yeah. use a liquidation preference, like a multiple liquidation preference. So like they have to get two X their return before the common sees a penny. So um, something to pay attention mm -hmm. to on, on that. Um, okay. yeah, you should know a little bit more about like the, how, how it flows. That's gotcha. yep. how debt structure like debt, your senior, then mes, then subordinated, and then the, the equity. Yeah. Um, I kind of skipped over those ones. Okay. It's fine. It's fine. Um, tell me a little bit about, so, um, Tell me a little bit about specifically um, what you, you know, what you feel like is, you know, you said why investment banking, you like the fast pace, all that stuff. Tell me, um, have you spoken with any investment bankers? Yeah, I have. Um, actually, over this past summer, um, I've connected with well over 500 investment bankers and learning a little bit more about what they do. Um, and yeah, how many have you spoken to? How many I've spoken with? Um, I would say fifty to seventy-five. All right. Well, okay, that's good. Um, do you feel like it's going to be too much for you? The hours sometimes? No, I don't. I don't believe so. Um, uh, as as I kind of mentioned in a previous uh, story, uh, where I worked at Harvey and then I had school on top of it, and then uh, I um, used to long hours. And um, I think having the experiences at B. Riley and Harvey and company and kind of knowing what, what's to come um, and actually enjoying the work I've done, I think it's, it's very doable. How much do you know about uh, LBOs, leverage buyouts? Do you know, can you describe to me like what it is? So to my understanding, an LBO is when a private equity group leverages more debt than they do equity to buy a company. And then they use the company's free cash flows to pay off the debt over time. Um, and, you know, within a five-year cost, usually uh, for standards, five years, when the private equity group wants to uh, exit, they take the equity value for what it is and they get a nice little penny. So tell me, why would they use, why even use leverage purchasing a company? Why do they do that? Is it is it because that debt costs less than equity, and that's why they use leverage? Um, yeah, but specifically, what 
Yes, but tell me a little bit more. Like, why would so if I want to buy a company that's worth a hundred million dollars, why would I go out and raise eighty million dollars and write a check of twenty? Why would that be attractive to me? What's the point of the private equity firm? What am I trying to do as a private equity firm? Like, what what is my mandate? Like, mandates to to in most cases to turn around you know the distressed company into a more profitable one um yeah i mean my mandate is to my limited partners to my to my lps mm -hmm. which basically they gave me money to try and mm -hmm. get a return so i want to make sure that i'm putting their money to work in companies that are going to generate a return anywhere between you know depending on the fund you know 15 to 30 percent let's say so okay. when I'm looking at opportunities and let's say it's a tr traditional private equity firm, which by the way, it's not always distressed. It's, it's actually often not distressed. It's just companies mm -hmm. that typically have stable cash flows where you can put okay. on a decent amount of leverage on pretty safely. Um, so they're non-cyclical in, in non-cyclical industries, um, stuff like that. So where you're able to write a smaller equity check allows you to juice your returns because of the efficiencies with the, with um, taxes and all that stuff. So, and, and being able to use the cash flows from the, from the firm to pay down or pay a, pay a dividend to the investors or back to the private equity fund, um, makes it a much more efficient structure in terms of generating higher returns. So okay. that's, that's why they use debt. It's be, be, basically allows them to take something like if they wrote a full hundred million dollar equity check and just grew the company's EBITDA and sold it, they mm -hmm. could make X, you know, let's say 10%. But with leverage, instead of writing that $100 million, they can write a $20 million check, a much smaller check. And the, the leverage they get from that and the scale which their, their returns um, get used is, is very significant. So that, that um, in that example, something where that would only be like a 10% IRR could be like a 25% IRR with leverage. Gotcha. Or much higher. And no, I don't know the exact math, but... Um, so yeah, I would learn a little bit more about LBOs, um, but where do you see yourself in, in five years? You know, is it banking, are you a banker for life or what's the, what's the plan? So my outlook in five years is definitely, um, I would say kind of uncertain, but I would love to stay, um, within finance. Um, I do see myself, uh, coming out the gate pretty strong. Um, into investment making and that's where my interest and you know passion lies at, at the moment um, but in five years it's still uncertain but I'd, I'd love to stay within business and finance okay great um, tell me a little bit about um, I'm still not letting you off on the on the technicals a little bit I just want to just to see I know I, I gave you some medium difficulty ones I want to see kind of where you um, follow up so what's um What's the link definitely the balance sheet yeah. and the statement of cap cash flows? Um, so specifically um, in networking capital, uh, we take the changes from the previous balance sheet and then the current balance sheet, and we adjust the cash flow of operations um, with the changes in working capital. Uh, and then we also use any uh, investments or PPE into the C5. Sorry, you broke up for a second there. Falls into uh, cash flow. What, Sorry, what happens? You broke up for a little bit. You said the depreciation on PPE. What happens? Oh, 
Oh, I didn't say depreciation. I just said PP&E. Any like investments or, or PP&E uh, change change of that falls into cash flow from uh, investing, and then mm-hmm. long term debt or you know common stock, which is reflected in the balance sheet, falls into cash flow from financing. And then the bottom line or change in cash uh, rolls into uh, our new balance sheet. Got it. Okay, great. Um, what do you think in terms of? Um, let me see here. This is a good one. <laughs> What's the difference between enterprise value and equity value? Um, equity value um, <laughs> is kind of more looked into uh, as as market cap. Uh, market cap can be calculated by outstanding shares times the share price. And mm-hmm. then enterprise value is the market cap um, plus debt minus cash minus preferred equity interest and minus minority interest. Plus minority. I believe. Plus minority. Plus minority. But yeah, it's basically the it's it's the cash or the it's the value left over after they pay their outstanding obligations. So like the net debt, like you said, plus the debt minus cash. So you're their net debt. Mm-hmm. Plus the preferred stock plus minority interest. So it's like yeah. the enterprise value is the full value of the entire enterprise, whereas the equity value is kind of like the value of the common shares, which is why you call it market cap because it's what the share the common shares are typically trading at. Okay. But yeah, that was right. Um, okay. So let's just go over what you did. I think that overall, okay. um, pretty clear. You're a few things. Number one, just the ums, just try to eliminate the ums. Okay. Instead of feeling, just be be comfortable and silent. Be comfortable with silence as you're gathering your thoughts. So okay. practice doing some video answers of like walking through your resume. That should have no ums. You should literally practice that twenty times on your video, like okay. tonight, because <laughs> that should be like okay. super. Poli- it should be super polished. Like there should be no hesitation. You should know exactly where you're going, what you're going into. And I like the story. I just think. Um, I especially liked how you talked about, you know, you, you learned about it a little bit late, but then you got the internships, you worked on these few deals. I, I really like that, how you're improving. I like they didn't oversell it, how you're still improving, you're, you're, you're um, doing courses, that type of stuff. Um, examples. You need to be pulling in examples proactively, not waiting for me to ask you, for example. So like the work ethic thing, oh, I'm just hardworking, I'm from a non-target. Like that's not enough. Tell me, okay. give me an example of specifically what, like, I had to pull it out from you, that thing where you work, not, you know, 100 hours, you're going in at the whatever time and then work till 1 a.m. Give mm-hmm. that to me. Give me that, like, the juice. Give me the actual details of specifically why you're a hard worker. Not just anyone okay. can say it. Oh, you know, I'm from Dr. I got in this interview. Don't let that be specific okay. about your schedule, your crazy schedule, like what, you know, when it was the most crazy about you and say how, like, you felt like it was, you know, it was fine for you. And you feel like, you know, now's the time to work hard and learn as much as you can. I think, mm-hmm. I think talking about being around really bright people who are, um, who are going to teach you a lot, I think is a, is a good thing to mention in terms of why I be, um, in terms of, uh, where you see yourself. I think that was fine. You didn't force it. You didn't say like, Oh, I know I'm going to be doing banking or whatever. You didn't like bullshit yeah. me, which is good. Um, I think you can be a little bit more specific um okay. it is a banking interview you could say something like i do but i do like the transactional nature of of investment banking i do think it's interesting getting to look at different industries different companies um and then um kind of being trusted to to 
consummate those transactions is I think an exciting place to be. So I could very much see myself staying in banking. Um, gotcha. For good for a good amount of time. Um, but obviously I'll know a lot more, you know, in four or five years. Um, yeah. I think that's fine. Um, let me see what else I wrote here. Yeah, so examples are really big, man. Like that's a that's a big thing. Um, not just removing gums, like I'm saying right now, but really weaving in your stories on all these behaviorals. So, did you have do you have stories that you've kind of outlined or prepped beforehand? I, I mean, the, the stories I just gave you are are basically everything I've outlined. Um, working at Harvey and probably one six at the same time, and then you know my experience growing from. Disney to be Riley. But what if uh, they really ask out. something? What if they ask you something of like, tell me a time when you um, disagreed with a manager? What did you do? Tell me about a time when you were working in a team and you got you disagreed or you da da da. Do you have ex do you have things you can pull from quickly, like stories um, through, through projects, work stuff at work? Yeah, usually for those, I kind of pull from group projects or my time at Wing AI Technologies or. Um, or my time on exec uh, within my fraternity. So just be Not ready so for those, much. like the conflict ones. Okay. okay. Um, such that you um, you can point to things that are that have th where there was conflict, but you kind of addressed it in a mature manner and just communicated. Um, such okay. that they can see you work well in teams. Like okay. give an example of you working well in teams. Give me an example where you disagree with somebody. Give me an example where you disagreed with the direction the, the, the leader was taking you. What did you do? Mm -hmm. Like it shouldn't be broad platitudes. It should be specifically what you did. Like the situation, you know, the star, you know, the star framework situation. Um, what was your mm -hmm. task? What was the action? What was the result? S-T-A-R. You should have mm -hmm. each story should have like a bullet on each of those, and I would actually out write them out. Okay, I'll do that. have like seven or eight prepped and just review all of them. And then when the question starts, like the behavior, if a behavioral question comes, you'll quickly be able to like in your mind scan across the seven or eight stories and be like, uh, I'm going to grab that one and pull it out, and it'll be ready to go. And okay. you'll be like, boom, 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 and it'll it'll actually help you because you'll be like, okay, I want to make sure I say these numbers, I say this situation, I say this action, this result. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, definitely go ahead and do those. I would do that even before all the technical prep that I think you're going to need. Mm -hmm. I think you need more, a little bit more specifics on like make sure you can walk through a DCF, make sure you a little bit know more, know a little bit more about LBO. Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I got you. Because uh, I think I definitely, the behaviors are tough. I think the second round is going to be pretty technical, especially at FT. Yeah, I. I kind of looked into um you know your database as well as Glassdoor, and yeah they get a little more technical and that's what i kind of wanted to ask how you know what obviously you asked me about like debts and lbos but when, when the first interview when he asked me questions is more so about valuation he asked me a couple numbers mm -hmm. like uh, kind of brain teasers like what would be I the think ebitda margin I knew you'd be and, ready for the valuation questions. That's why I went somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, yeah. That's why it was mostly like it was mostly like valuation questions, like what's cap M, what's beta on levered, levered, or yeah, um, yeah, and kind of basic. Give me like one basic accounting question. 
it was super basic. I don't know how or why he asked me that one. But yeah, like I definitely need to kind of study up on LBOs and debts and definitely more accounting. Yeah, just to have a, a, it's not like you need to know it inside or out or if you get one wrong, it's it's not the best. Try not to BS if you don't, if you're not sure. So you honestly, I'm not sure. Um, and you just I, say that? Yeah, you can just say, honestly, I, honestly, I'm not sure. Um, this is what I know. And just say what you know. Just state okay. what you know. And don't try okay. to like oversell it or BS because it'll, the most important things that you just come across as likable, number one. <laughs> so, because uh, I never knew how to approach those situations because I think I read somewhere it's like, you know, try your best, answer the question at all costs. So, yeah, you, try, like, you should try your best and just start stating what you know so that that way it's one of those things where it's like you're showing what you do know. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that, you know, leverage buyouts went to private equity fund, blah, 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 you know, you know, raises debt in order to. Um, lower their equity check and think that's how they juice returns, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, okay. I okay. think, I think it's, it, it'll serve you. It'll serve you well if you um, don't oversell. And I don't think you did. I, don't, I think I thought that was one of the better things is you didn't like bullshit too much. When you didn't know something. Um, what else could I tell you? Um, Good question. Oh, um, something like I read online. Um, this is just like one of those questions on Classdoor, or I think one of your uh, MWSO. Mm-hmm. Somebody said, "Oh, I got a question. How do you value a SaaS company from FT Partners?" Uh, which I think is, you know, a pretty reasonable question to be asked. Is that kind of uh, a reframe of the question you asked me? How do you value a company with no revenue, or will you kind of just, you know, look at the SaaS companies? Um, what, what's the term you use that kind of look at their metrics, operational metrics, Op- operating metrics? Well, I mean, with SaaS, yeah. software as a service, if they have no revenue. Yeah, you would just project out the cash flows and discount them back to, to present value. Um, but if you, a SaaS company, okay. the ones they're going to be probably clients for, like an FD Partners, it's one of those things where they, I'm sure they have revenue, a lot of revenue. So projecting out okay. their cash flows will be a lot, probably just a lot more about, um, what their um what their churn is since it's a subscription software as a subscription really it's a it's a a question of how much it costs to acquire a customer so cost of customer acquisition and specifically what their churn is meaning how what's their attrition for like how how sticky is their product so if they have like let me give you an example let's say it's a product that where they charge i don't know a thousand dollars a month but it costs them only like $500 to acquire a customer and their um, their attrition or their churn is like only 1% a month or something like that or like mm-hmm. or 1% a year. Like it's an amazing, like the question yeah, that's is, a really good, that's a really, those are really good numbers. Right. But let's say um, it's a two, it's a hundred dollar a month product. It costs $300 to acquire a customer and their churns at 30, you know, 20% a month. It's a much tougher yeah. business, right? So, like, those are critical metrics for any any subscription service business, not just software. Okay. Okay. Got um, it. So, um, I think those are those would be key metrics, and that's going to. Re- I bet you, when you're building up the the projecting revenue, you know, the the projections on the revenue side, um, the operating metrics or those churn numbers and those revenue growth and the customer cost customer acquisition is really what's going to drive your income statement, which mm-hmm. flows down to your cash flow. Gotcha. That makes sense. So, okay. so that's going to be really how you would value it. You would project out those those really critical key metrics, and ideally, you have some history there. If it's you know, I think FTs 
does some some smaller works for some smaller companies, but they also they're working for some large SaaS companies as well. Where he has probably some okay. pretty good history and some insight into terms of how much you're going to close in the coming you know, twelve to eighteen months. Hmm. Okay. Does that help? Yeah, that definitely helps. Thanks. Cool. And it, you could pro you'd probably value like the installed base at something, the installed base of clients, and then the the future. I mean, I don't know. I I never worked in SaaS or fintech type, um, mm -hmm. so I'm not 100 percent sure. But that's that's how I would answer the question. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, and then I, I think I don't know if we got to this, but I definitely I asked this and I kind of cut you off, but. No, no. In terms of like round two, um, since he asked me a lot of valuation questions, do you think he's gonna the next guy is gonna turn the page and kind of focus on accounting and like OBOs and uh, maybe financing questions or M and A modeling? Okay, uh, I'll stick yeah. with that. Yeah, okay. I I think it's gonna be technical, especially at FT. It's gonna be really technical, um, especially if it's an associate interviewing or an analyst. They may be tasked with specifically like asking you technical questions. And just seeing okay. it. Um, whereas if it's like an MD, it typically is more like, hey, oh, tell me about this. Or, oh, you went to UCI, I did too. You know, or I had a friend that went to yeah. this. It tends to be more chill. It's more like, can you hang out? Um, and is yeah. there a good cultural fit? So Makes it's funny because some people assume the analysts will be like that or the associates because they're more like your age, but it's actually not, not the case. They tend to be tasked with doing the more, make sure you could pass the technical stuff. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. So yeah, I would I would hit the technical course hard. I wouldn't necessarily go all the way to, to advanced. Start with the basics because like those are the most common. The basic and the intermediate, and make sure you have those down cold, like like really really cold. Because if you if you flame out or you say I don't know on a super advanced accounting question or super advanced, I mean I, I can guarantee that's that's gonna be less much less harmful than if you flame out or burn out on like walk me through a DCF or like tell me about what's comparable or tell me what a precedent transaction is. Got it. Okay. Like you can't do that. Those initial ones, those basic ones, you're just gonna get thrown out. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if you flame out on a really tricky accounting question or a weird brain teaser, they may just let it slide if they really like you. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So really drill hard on that. Really, uh, I would really. I'd really encourage you to like when we get off this call, literally write, like name your seven stories. <laughs> okay. I will. I like will. literally name your seven stories. Just in your head, be like the B Riley, the 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 YIB can be like the that's one little thing and walk me through, walk me through and walk me through and YIB, walk me through your resume, YIB, bullets on each of those. Those are separate. But then tell me about like your experiences. So B Riley can be one, but specifically what. Hard work at B Riley, work ethic at B Riley, specific deals, financial modeling at B Riley. What, what, mm -hmm. what was the situation? What did it dem? Tell me a story. Tell me an actual story. Don't just tell me you did these things. I was responsible for this. Tell me about like, oh, there was a deal, and I, you know, the the analyst was really busy on another deal, and so I had to step up and do this model. Like, you want to craft a story around your experiences such that you can bring people in to 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 show, not tell them that you have the skills. Okay, makes sense. Also, um, what when I uh, you asked me about a specific deal at B Riley that I've worked on, mm -hmm. did I do well on that portion? Is there anything I can add to it? Because he asked me. That... Yeah, I might start asking you stuff about like industry, there. Like, tell me about the battery industry. I might tell, ask you about comps. What are they trading at? You said ten times. I might. I could have been started 
I could have been a jerk and started drilling down on that. Like, well, how much do you know about the battery industry? What are, what are other comps? You know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Okay. Um, okay. That so makes like, sense. You got to be a little careful. Whichever deal you choose, you should know a little bit about the industry and the landscape since you worked on the deal and you're theoretically doing that for the seller or the, was it a buyer? It was a sell side, right? Sell side. Yeah. So you should know a little bit about like, you know, who the, who the buyers were. Why did you guys identify those specific buyers? What's the universe yeah. you went out to and why? That type of thing. Yeah. Was it all strategics or was it just, were there any, it sounds like you, you know, you were doing private equity and a private equity fund ended up buying it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, did you go to any strategics? Why not? You okay. know, that type of thing. Um, if, if, if I wasn't around for that portion, like that, like I kind of joined onto that project after, you know, they were kind of like already in talks with like two private equity groups. So I kind of missed out on the whole, you know, identifying the buyer universe and I would um, learn it and I would look okay. it up. be like, you know, I actually ended up joining midway through when they'd already, they were already in touch with two private equity funds. But I do know looking at the documents of the deal that they had gone out to the strategic, this, I mean, that'll take you like 20 minutes to look it up. Yeah. Not bad. Okay. But that's important. Then it shows like that actually is a really good little window of opportunity to show that you were curious and you looked back. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? Or choose a different deal <laughs> or choose a different deal. But if that's the one you actually did some modeling on and you did some, some of the work like spreading the financials, all that stuff, then I would stick that because I think that's good. Okay. Sounds good. Um, but kill your ums. Actually record yourself like you're doing now. Record yourself and doing the walk me through your resume. Record yourself. To, and if you want to send those to me independently, I'll just look at them and give you feedback. Record yourself okay. doing the YIB and then... I literally want at least six, at least six other stories. I want group dynamic stories where like you had to step up as a leader. I want str- I want conflict stories. I want you to tell me when you struggle with a team. I want lead- like a conflict story of when you struggle with, a, um, with somebody that was leading you, you disagreed. And you can send me, to, you can send all these answers in bullet form to me, like in an email. Okay, sounds good. And be like, here is the situation, one bullet. Here is the task I was given or what my position within that organization or that that story is. Um, here's the action. Here's what I what I did to kind of mm-hmm. either fix it, go along, add value, whatever it was, and then here was the result. Okay. So all of them should have like four bullets. And, and that's like really the best way to, I think, approach the behaviorals because I think if you have these stories, you're gonna you're when you're telling it, it's not gonna you're not gonna be using I work hard mm-hmm. or I'm a hard worker. You're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna make a statement like that, but you're quickly gonna you're gonna quickly just jump right into a story. Well, I think you know it's 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 probably helpful if I tell you a little bit about you know my time over at this when I was working on here. I people are like, what's the longest you worked? You say, oh, 90 hours at B Riley. You can say, instead of saying, oh, just 90 hours at B. Riley, you can be like, well, at B. Riley, one, one week, I remember we were working on this specific deal in the battery manufacturing space, and the, the analyst was tasked to do this, and we got a flood of PDFs coming over, and somebody had to spread the comps, and I was there all night spreading, or I was there all night spreading the financials uh, because we mm-hmm. had to get from annual to monthly, and da, da, da. that's really good detail that you don't want to leave out. You don't want to forget to give me that, that perspective because then I'm picturing, your, I'm picturing you in the office, like working hard and just, just getting through. Okay. 
Can you, can you repeat those four bullets? I have scenario and then action and result. I, I know I'm missing one. It's star, so task. So like scenario, task, action, results. Task is like what you were, um, and this is all in the behavioral course. So at the beginning, I think in mm -hmm. the first few, here I can go there. Uh, am I in the behavioral? No, I'm in the technical. Let me go back. Behavioral, behavioral right here. General uh, preparation, here we go. Yeah, the star stories, yeah. so right here. Um, blah, 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 blah. There are examples in the, in the course as well. Um, mm -hmm. Something some people might do if they want to try to catch you off is they'll be like, tell me where the market's at. Do you know what I mean? So you got to be ready for that mm -hmm. too. Gotcha. Yeah, general tips. I don't think that's... Maybe it's here. Here we go. Describe the situation, describe the task, describe the action, describe the results. Okay. Got it. Got it. Anyone can say he or she is a hard worker, willing to do mindless tasks, blah, blah, blah. What you have to do is show your interview that you can you can do this by using detailed examples from your past. Okay. Maybe you were the editor of your school newspaper. A news story broke two days before printing. You led your team through a coordinated crash effort to get the whole story into paper with no mistakes. So like... That's one example. Mm -hmm. But okay. it becomes, you become it becomes much more believable when you use this framework because it, you'll just naturally start pulling in stories from your past to, as examples. Yeah, that saying, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I know A and M when I was interviewing with them, all their behavioral interviews were star questions. A lot were, of like, like no no question they asked me was. Technical. Walk me through your resume or yeah, technical. It was all like situational. Yeah. And so like yeah, you, that's why I'm saying you should have seven stories that you can pull from. Like when somebody asks you what are your greatest strengths or tell me why we should pick you instead of all these people, it's the same question. Yeah. It's the same question. So like you saying my strengths are hardware work ethic, um adaptability and blah blah blah. Okay, I'm like asleep over here listening to you. <laughs> right? Okay. Like, show me, don't tell me. Show me. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, it'll it'll really make a dramatic difference in terms of how um, how well it's received. Mm -hmm. uh, make sure that you can back it up if they start asking details about the story, <laughs> and they dig in. the The same holds true of not overselling yourself, mm -hmm. um, and, and uh, making sure that you're ready for follow up questions. So, like knowing okay. knowing the stuff there. But I think B Riley gives you some good stuff. The the uh, your other internship, you should be able to have at least one good story or two there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know any other like really competitive things you've done or or stuff you've done from your past or uh, times you worked in, in as a team. I think is a great example, great way to kind of demonstrate that. Got it. Got is it. That cool? Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um. I know you're like, oh shoot, I'm going into these tech second round interviews, so I got to prepare tech. But like, you shouldn't underestimate this stuff because if you get the basic and the intermediate tech, like you're feeling better, you should really invest here in terms of getting just at least six, six stories. I remember by the time I had done like 30 interviews, when I, that's just naturally what happened. And like looking back, I'm like, man, I should have just outlined 
all these stories and, and knew exactly what I was going to say on every single one. By the end, before they even finished the question, like in my it's head, it's, I'm going like, do I want to use this one? Ooh, I should probably say that one for later just in case something like this is my last like weaknesses story, weakness story that I can pull mm -hmm. from. Right. You want a story where you can talk about like something you're working on or a weakness, like whether that's public speaking or financial modeling or whatever. So you don't want to go there. <laughs> like certain stories you kind of know you need for certain common questions and other stories, you yeah. know, you have like some redundancy. So you can pull from this one and then from that one. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it you does. Get that, okay. You'll get that feel as you practice more. So, um, yeah, I hear you. It's a skill like anything else, man. Yeah. It's like yeah, a move on the bat. You, you play basketball, right? So it's like you get the ball, like, let's say you get the ball in the low post, right? And you're mm -hmm. like, okay, all you have is this, like, <laughs> this one move where you're like a fadeaway, whatever, a jump hook or whatever. Like, having all the other answers already prepped is like you literally going through the drills over and over again and trying trying different moves it's all it is yeah gives it's, you an arsenal it gives an you all the answers yeah answers you don't even have to think about that's the key there shouldn't be yeah. any hmm, well, let me think of a time that that happened like no dude like <laughs> you should have done that a long time ago <laughs> yeah i remember i remember i think in one of our earlier phone calls you mentioned that by the 15th interview or one of your final interviews it was less about you know the actual answer but more about delivery mm -hmm. and i guess that's the point i'm trying to get to yeah well, and i don't I, think i don't think you did poorly i think you were a little rattled on okay. some, of the, some of the technical stuff but i, I liked how genuine you were mm -hmm. i still think you're a super likable guy so i think you have that going for you but you do need to tighten up the technicals if you're gonna have a chance <laughs> i'll let mm -hmm. you run i know you gotta go soon you do need to tighten up the technicals for sure mm -hmm. and i think you do just just have something you can go to faster on those stories, like Got jump it. stories. And I think it's it's going to be much better. We can do another one though, in like a couple weeks or whatever. Um, yeah, definitely. It sounds like you're going to keep getting interviews, so that's good. They, the rest so. is working. Was, yeah, it's, thank you. <laughs> it's definitely helping. Yeah, like the, the lady, the lady from Webbush was like, "We really like like to like emphasize like my resume and like my experiences," and she's like, "Wow, we really liked it." Um, and then also the the case study that I worked on definitely helped too. Uh, yeah, so I'm super excited about that one as well. Um, just all, all of them in general. So you're gonna excited, get it, excited to see where this goes. I know. Yeah, I know. The other uh, we are we're now two for four. Like uh, Andrew just got an internship offer. For really? Us. Yes. Oh. <laughs> you're next, dude. You're next. Oh man, <laughs> I got I got to speed it up. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure um is he gonna be in new york he's gonna be in toronto okay that's where he's from though right yeah like he's on the area okay uh, yeah yeah he's up there the tiny little non-target up there gotcha gotcha okay that makes sense that's awesome i'm super i'm super happy for him yeah and, uh, no, I, I think you're gonna i think you're gonna do well man i think you just gotta tighten it up a little bit um don't don't slow down on your prep like this week's cr is critical yeah. um like you don't want to let all these go by because you just like didn't know how to do something basic or you didn't know how to do the value, you know how to answer valuation questions or the basic accounting things. Mm -hmm. do, do you have a specific method? Um, for me, like when I study like anything, I kind of like read and then write it down. Uh, one of the interns at B. Riley had note cards. Uh, um, flashcards. There's flashcards in the yeah. course. Download those and print them. Actually okay. do it. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I wanted to ask if you had any like everywhere. Just be like, boom, boom, flip, boom, flip, boom, flip. 
Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely do that right now then. Okay. Sweet. There's not that many, but like that's the best way is just drilling, man. Just for the technicals, especially. Just drill so that you're not caught off guard by 90% of the technicals. You'll just be quickly be like, oh, yeah, that's this, 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 and this. Just make sure when you're answering the technicals, if you don't understand like conceptually what something means, because the flashcards yeah. are good for like quick drilling, but if you might have to go back and actually look at the course to understand specifically, like, okay, what's the context of this? Like, I can say this word or this abbreviation but i have no idea what it means and you can kind of get screwed they're like well what does that mean and why would why would we ever do that what is it why would we ever unlever yeah why would we ever ever unlever beta and in it in the course we do have the question the sample answer and then a follow-up question and sample answer so we try to anticipate the follow-ups too but just make sure you look at those yeah Um, i will and understand conceptually like what the bank is doing what the what's the point of the task Mm -hmm. um so you understand that so you can communicate like you know you get it like you understand what a bank does yeah makes sense okay sweet dude you're in uh, good shape. Do, do not worry you're in good shape i think um just keep pushing this week and um i think yeah, that this, uh, be crucial. this week is crucial man i'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna lie <laughs> yeah you should don't make sure you get sleep but um you should be staying up you know at to a decent hour drilling yeah I, I definitely will be. I don't have any midterms going on this week, so awesome. it's just going to be straight technicals and behaviorals yeah. as well. So, so tell me, good. okay, so you don't know when Wed, Wedbush is, or you do? So, I, yeah, I, I don't know when Wedbush is. I don't even know when FT is. Um, I have an in-person with the boutique Newport Beach uh, Friday. And then A&M, <laughs> A&M got back to me last week saying they're going to get back to me this week. <laughs> Honestly, that one, that one is just like, I'm, not too concerned about investment making is still like where well, my head's at part about AM delaying is now you have some things cooking yeah yeah and so true. imagine if AM had given you the offer two weeks ago and you're in that really tough spot where you didn't have much cooking yeah uh, that's true now i get i, I kind of get more leverage yeah uh, if i do it's get the AM offer it's more about like yeah if you get if you get the AM offer dude like can almost guarantee you get one of the offers from the other places. Yeah. So you that hope that sense. offer comes through like next week would be beautiful because then you've already done a couple like the second rounds and you can let them know like I got an offer, but I still would mm-hmm. like to prefer to be in banking and um, your firm and at your firm specifically. So um, the other thing you need to point out, like if they ask you specifically like, well, is our firm a number one choice? Sometimes these boutique firms can be a little bit, not at like the boutique boutique, but sometimes they can like a Wedbush or an FT can be a little bit, I don't know, a little bit petty about like, well, are you going to renege or stuff like that? Yeah. I think one of the good things you could say is like, this is absolutely like my first choice. I'd absolutely sign today if, if given the offer. Just be like, straight up like you're ready to go and i think you should be doing that now in your senior year like without like you shouldn't be messing around <laughs> yeah don't yeah. mess around and play cute because it could piss them off and if you're borderline if you're like borderline between they're thinking you and this other guy who happens to go to a little bit more name brand school whatever it happens to be like you want to give mm-hmm. him confidence like hey if we got this guy he's he's locked and loaded You'd be like hey mm-hmm. i if you give me the offer today I'd, I'd sign absolutely i have another offer from from this other firm i need to let them know by you know this friday obviously i knew i want a job i want to make sure i have a job when i graduate but um you can be sure that i would i would come here i think that's a perfectly fine way to answer it and i think it's going to give them confidence and will help help you get the offer mm-hmm. makes sense okay Is that cool man 
Yeah, that sounds great. I'm excited for you. Oh, you better give me some good news in a couple weeks. <laughs> I hope so. I, I sure hope so. Just buckle down, man. Just buckle down. Try to work late um, these next few nights, you know, midnight, 1 a.m., whatever it has to be to just get comfortable. Yeah, we'll do. Um, also, I don't know how I'm feeling about your hat. <laughs> no, yeah. Go see, man. They're kicking ass. They're no, they're doing great. They're doing they're great, lost. though. <laughs> who, who Are you a Lakers fan? Yeah. Of course you are. Of course you yeah. are. You're in LA. Yeah. yeah. My Western here. area, but I, I've forced her to become a Boston fan on everything. I even got like oh, a. Oh, really? Yeah, I got her Tuka Rask jersey. She was a Bruins fan. Now I'm like <laughs> fully indoctrinating her. Yeah. Oh, man. The Lakers well, could I mean, be. We'll you see. never know. It could be Lakers Celtics final. You never know. Yeah, I don't know. That's what I told one of my friends. I mean, they were both leading the, the charts, you know, a couple games ago. I mean, you can definitely see it happen. Anything can happen in the playoffs. So these are deeper, man. These are much deeper. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. I mean, hopefully, hopefully we do play each other. It would be awesome. It would be awesome. Yeah. Okay, man. Well, awesome. listen. Good luck with everything. Definitely. Um, yeah. Just be ready this week. Be ready on Friday with that boutique. Take it really seriously. Um, and I think you'll be in good shape. The other good thing is if you get the offer from the boutique, um, you're in good shape. Um, mm-hmm. For the others, you can just let them know immediately. Okay. Sounds good. Let them, yeah. let them know immediately that I'll take the offer. No, 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 no. For the boutique, I would tell them, great. Oh, oh. You know, so thank you. Thank you, blah, blah, blah. I'm saying if, for Wedbush okay. or for the other ones. Um, unless this boutique, I maybe just message me after. Um, I'll take a look at it, but um, unless the boutique does really well, sometimes these small little boutiques are do really well. Um, and so just yeah, I'm not sure. just looking at their tombstones, they do a lot of financing for healthcare and tech companies. Um, okay. They're super super small, and yeah, I think there's only like one partner, two associates, and like one analyst or two analysts, and then like one other principal that's like in and out. I heard. Okay, so yeah, you probably would prefer an FT or a Wedbush over that. Yeah. So, so I, if they give you an offer, you, I'd be like, hey, I'm super grateful. Let me just give it some thought over the week. You know, can I get get back to you within a week or so, and then just let the other okay. place know. We'll do. Because we'll if they if they start trying to strong arm you and push you to accept, I think just, um, I think that's that's a totally fair request. Makes sense. Got it. Thanks so much, Patrick. Good luck. Thanks, man. Okay. I'll, I'll let you know. I'll get back to. Oh, excuse me. Get back to you with these like seven stories. Uh, if not, yeah. tonight, tomorrow. Awesome, dude. Yeah. Good luck with everything. Okay. Keep me updated. Thank you so much. Peace. Peace. Bye. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way. Patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. And until next time.